Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week, and we have a round one. I almost said week one. That's how excited I am for the NFL season. We have round one in the books, and we are going to talk about the fantasy impact of round one. Oh, man, it was fun last night. I got to be honest with you. The setup that I saw last night, I was kind of into We'll get into all that. We'll get into round one picks. We're going to ignore defenses generally. We're going to ignore offensive linemen. Not because I don't love you, but because you have no fantasy impact. So, uh, you know, listen, maybe Christian McCaffrey might argue that they do have a little fantasy impact. And Daniel Jones might argue that uh, offensive line has a little fantasy impact. But generally, we're going to stick with the guys that were taken at the skill positions. Facebook and Twitter at SportsGarden, G-A-R-T-E-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, SportsGarden.com, any of our syndicated affiliates, that's where you can listen in to us. So, look, I just mentioned it. I kind of went there. Offensive line, there was a lot of offensive linemen taken in the draft. You can argue how good each offensive lineman is going to be. You can argue how much they improve. We're really not going to spend a lot of time on that, though. We really can't. I think that the Giants got their guy in Andrew Thomas. I think Werfs has just tremendous upside. Becton is good. I liked what the Dolphins did with their number two pick. A kid's 20 years old from an established program like USC. You got to like that offensive line-wise. But I don't think any of those players makes a massive fantasy impact. Okay? So we're kind of brush over that. Defensive-wise, unless you're in an IDP league, which you can be in an IDP league and maybe grab a Chase Young. Outside of that, I don't know if Simmons is going to be a guy to grab right away. I don't know if Akuda is going to be that guy. Uh, cornerbacks are tough in fantasy. In real life, sure, it'll be good. In fantasy, cornerbacks are very tough. Henderson's going to be tough as a corner, although he's a guy I would look at as an IDP range just because he gets turnovers. So that's basically where I sit with the defense. That's basically where I sit with offensive line. Let's go to the headline maker. And the headline maker, we all knew it was the worst-kept secret in the NFL, and that is Joe Burrow, the Bengal Tiger, goes to the Bengals. And that's right. Joe Burrow goes to Cincinnati. You know, Burrow is an interesting position quarterback. He is positioned very well on the Cincinnati Bengals. He's positioned well because he's the face of the franchise, so you know he's going to, first of all, start 
as many games until he com- unless he completely implodes, he's going to start as many games as they possibly can. Um, you know, we might have a one in fifteen season like Peyton Manning or, or Troy Aikman got off to a bad start, but he's going to start. So that already gives him fantasy relevance. Already, right out of the box, Joe Burrow gives him fantasy relevance because he's going to start. Number two is the idea he does have a running back behind him. You know, Joe Mixon is a good running back. He didn't perform great last year, but he's good. And I look at him and I say, yeah, that is a, a an interesting situation because he doesn't have to. Joe Burrow doesn't have to carry the day. Now, I think he will get the bulk of the offense, but he doesn't have to. And then he has Tyler Boyd. Very good target. John Ross, the speedster, if he could ever stay healthy. Auden Tate looked good later on the season. Is A.J. Green there? Uh, we really don't think so, but A.J. Green is somebody else. So you have a lot of pieces there for Joe Burrow to play with. You have a lot of guys there that Joe Burrow can succeed. So how will the youngsters succeed? I'm not sold on the head coach. I'm not sold on Taylor or Callahan, the offensive coordinator, but I'm not not sold on them either. And I don't want to be wishy-washy here, but in fantasy, sometimes you have to be a little wishy-washy, right? Sometimes you have to be a little up and down. I look at Joe Burrow and I say, he's got an offensive coordinator I'm not positive about. He's got a head coach I'm not positive about. And I'm not completely sold on Joe Burrow. But I like what I see. He's he's a gunslinger, okay? He's going to be throwing it all over the ball, all over the yard. He has to go up against a very good Pittsburgh defense, really good Pittsburgh defense, twice a year. He's got to go up against a good Baltimore defense, twice a year. He's got to go up against good Cleveland defense, twice a year. That's six games right there where the defense are going to be zeroed in on him. I think he's going to make some mistakes. I think you can look at the interception rate that's going to move up there. I think he's going to throw for a lot of yards. Cincinnati's going to be playing from behind a lot, which is absolutely a key here. So he's going to have to throw the ball downfield. Cincinnati has some big weapons. Cincinnati has some offensive prowess here. I'll go out there and and say, let's give him a projection. I don't think he gets 4,000 yards, but I don't think he's far off of it. So we'll give him a projection, 3,700, 3,800 yards. Um We'll give him a projection of maybe, you know, think about a 16-game season. He's going to throw a touchdown in each. Can he throw two touchdowns in each? Not really. I'll say between 22 and 25 touchdowns. I'll say, you know, right right there. Interception is going to be about 15 to 17. He's going to have a lot of interceptions. And he'll probably add two or three scores on the ground. I look at Joe Burrow and I'm going, where does he sit in my fantasy numbers? Where can I rank him in fantasy? And Joe Burrow, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Burrow's in a good spot. Joe Burrow is in a spot for me that you're not taking him inside the top 10 picks. Sure, you're you're not going to do that. But is Joe Burrow in that next group? So if you're in a standard 10-team fantasy league, Right, That's what we're looking at. Standard 10-team fantasy league. Is he a starter? No, he's not a starter. If you're in a two-quarterback league, are you looking at Joe Burrow? I am. I'm looking at Joe Burrow. From a fantasy perspective, let's go through the teams. Is he better than Josh Allen? I don't think he is. 
Okay, is he better than Miami's quarterback? And we're calling it Miami's quarterback. Yes. Okay, so he's after Allen. Is he better than New England's quarterback? Yeah, right now he is. Is he better than Sam Darnold? I think he's on par fantasy wise. I think he's in that conversation. Right? Is he better than Big Ben? No. Lamar Jackson? No. Is he better than Johnny Manziel? Or whoops, <laughs> the Cleveland quarterback? Is he better that than 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 Mayfield? You know, I think he's on par. I think Mayfield's probably better, but but he's on par. He's close. So there's about three quarterbacks so far that are better than him. Is he better than Tannehill? Fantasy wise, I, I don't think it's that outrageous to say that he's on par. I don't think it's that outrageous to say that that he is better than Minshew and Jacksonville, right? He's clearly not better than Watson. Uh, we we know that Watson's an elite uh, first round talent. So you start to go through the names in the AFC, start to go break them down, and you're starting to see. Is he better than Mahomes? Absolutely not. Is he better than Phillip Rivers, fantasy-wise? Probably right there. I think their numbers are going to be close. Better than Derek Carr? I think the numbers are going to be close. Right? Better than who the Chargers have? The numbers are going to be close, if not better. So in the AFC, there are five players that are better than him, for sure, everybody else he's sort of on par with or better. Let's go to the NFC. Carson Wentz, yeah, he's better than him. Dak Prescott is better. Uh, Daniel Jones, I, I'm not sure that he's exceedingly better yet. I don't think Dwayne Haskins is. I don't think that the Bears quarterback situation is. Kirk Cousins, I, I see them right in that same vein. Rodgers, okay, we, we got Rodgers. Matthew Stafford. We'll say either Cousins or Stafford is better. We'll give you one or the other. Breeze is clearly better. Brady, <laughs> Brady's numbers are going to be uh, similar, uh, you know, but I'm going to give him a little bump up. So he is Tom Brady. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Bridgewater, I don't know about that. I'm not sure about the Bridgewater situation there. And then you got guys like Garoppolo. I think he'll be on target with Garoppolo. Obviously, I think Murray and, and Wilson are better. And then Jared Goff. See, you have... I just named about 13 guys that are surely better than him, about five guys that are probably better. He is in that middle range. He is looking at, as a fantasy prospect for just next year, I'm looking at Joe Burrow and I'm saying to myself, Joe Burrow is a solid number two quarterback in a two-quarterback league. You don't want him as a starter, but I will take the kid as a backup, and that's Joe Burrow. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. We'll come on right back here. This is Wagering Week. We'll be back right after this. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What? are the odds all right let's talk about what are the odds gronk is now in tampa oh that is right gronk is a tampa bay buck or what are people calling it tampa bay right tampa bay i i I won't do it I, i can't do it i can't call it tampa bay but gronk is a tampa bay buck and the lines are already moving new england sent Gronkowski in a seventh-round pick to Tampa Bay for a fourth-round pick. And Caesar Sportsbook was jumping all of, all of a sudden. The Bucks' win total 
went from nine with an over of minus 125 to nine and a half. Gronk is worth a half of a win right there. That went up to nine and a half. Tampa Bay Super Bowl odds went from plus 1,700 to plus 1,400. So they moved down as well. Tampa Bay's odds to win the NFC jumped from plus 800 to plus 700. Um the Saints slightly fell from minus 120 to minus 105 to win the NFC South. So people are liking the Bucks. I mean, that's what it is. Caesars adjusted the Tampa Bay playoff. Now, remember, it's a new playoff format from yes, minus 155 to yes, minus 165. And you look at what is going on with Gronk and you just say, these are the odds that people believe in Gronk. Now, I, I will give you my fantasy take on Gronk here. My fantasy take is this. My initial reaction, oh, I'm, I'm jumping all over him. Oh, I love it. I'm jumping all over Gronk. And I pulled back and I said to myself, you know, I think they're going to kind of save him, save him for the playoff run. And Gronk might be in a position where he's a much better real-life player than he is an actual fantasy player. So that is Gronkowski. All right, let's stick with the quarterbacks here as we're talking fantasy impact. To a T, baby. To a Tageo Viola is a Miami Dolphin. And I am about the only person on earth that apparently likes this. My wife is a huge Dolphin fan. She was on all the Dolphin Twitter, all the Dolphin Facebook chat last night. And they announced it, and everybody got upset. They didn't want him. He's often injured. People don't believe in him. Guys have made the argument for uh, months. His upside is just phenomenal. This is real football. In fantasy football, I'm staying very far away for this year. Now, in a one-year fantasy setup, number one, uh, I, I tend to stay away from rookie quarterbacks unless it's a situation like Burrow where he could do anything and he's going to be out there and starting. Tua is in a position where I don't know if he's the starter. I don't know if they're going to push him to be the starter. Look, he is often injured. You have Ryan Fitzpatrick there that does a very good job. I like him in dynasty leagues because I think you can get him cheaper because he's not going to start. I think you can get him cheaper uh, later on. If you're in a dynasty league, I would wait this out. Wait till they announce that he's not going to start, which I don't think he will. And the injuries are there. Talk up the injuries. If you're in a fantasy league, talk up the injuries all day about Tua. Make people nervous. I look at Tua this year. I'm going to say he starts 10 games for the Dolphins. I think that's a fair estimate. He starts 10 games. He throws for eh, like 2,700 yards. In 10 games, I'll give him 15 touchdown passes. Right? He doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. 15 and 10 sound like a good number. Maybe maybe gets one rush. I don't know if they're going to be running him too much with that hip. I think Tua is an absolute monster. Great pick. Great pick for the Dolphins. But I don't, in fantasy, like him at all. I also don't like, by the way, uh, I don't like Jordan Love. Uh, and we'll get to that in a moment. Justin Herbert. Well, he went to the Chargers. Great landing spot for him. Except all I heard was Anthony Lynn say, I love Tyrod Taylor. I love Tyrod Taylor. I love Tyrod Taylor. How do you sit down the 6'6", six, six, 236 guy, though? He has comparisons to Tannehill. He's got comparisons to Wentz. I, I see it. I understand. But he's still in a training camp battle. I think he wins it. 
I do. I think he's going to be there, the starter, from day one. I think he's in a really good spot with tremendous weapons. Now, I just put Joe Burrow anywhere between... I would take him as my 15th quarterback. If you want to argue he should be closer to 20, I'm okay with that. I put Joe Burrow Joe Burrow slightly ahead of Justin Herbert, even though Herbert's got the weapons. So I'm going to say for Justin Herbert, same sort of numbers. We'll say he starts 16 games, 20 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 15 interceptions, something like that. He'll rush it one time for a touchdown, give him one. His yards, where I have Joe Burrow, maybe 37, 3,800. I got Justin Herbert, 35. I think they're going to be very similar players in year one. Very similar players, but I, I think Burrow just has more opportunity there. And then we go to Jordan Love. Jordan Love is undraftable in every single league this year. Undraftable in year one leagues. He is not playing in Green Bay. Now, I don't think it's going to be long before Mr. Rogers is asking out of Green Bay. I called that last. I called it before the draft. I said, if they draft the first-round quarterback, you're going to watch Aaron Rodgers ask out. There's already a rift between him and LaFleur. There's a rift there. Jordan Love is a guy we all can agree with should sit down for a year. We all agree with that. Okay? He may be a guy that you could sit down for two years. But Aaron Rodgers has four years left on his contract. Jordan Love's eventually going to play. I just don't see him getting a snap this year. What about Dynasty? Well, in a Dynasty league, taking Jordan Love in Green Bay with an offensive coordinator, learning under Aaron Rodgers. Guys, he's still undraftable. And, and here's why he's undraftable. If you're in a Dynasty league, okay, if you're in a keeper league, he's undraftable because you have a certain only a certain amount of keepers. Okay, that's number one. If you're in a Dynasty league, though, do you really want to wait on a guy that could potentially sit for three years at the quarterback position, which is completely stacked, which if you get the 10th best quarterback generally every year, it's still a good spot. You don't want him. So Jordan Love going to the Packers in a fantasy aspect makes him simply undraftable. He should be off of everyone's fantasy draft page as of today. One-year guys, don't draft him. Keeper league guys, don't draft him. Dynasty league guys, you have a better better have a deep bench in a deep league because he's not a guy that I would have on my radar in any way, shape, or form. Now, the collateral damage here. What about Aaron Rodgers? What about Aaron Rodgers? I've said this for years, and I know people think I'm joking, but I'm not. Three years now, I've said Aaron Rodgers is over the hill. He's 37 years old. He got, after his shoulder injury, his collarbone injury the last time, he has not been healthy. He has not looked good. He has not looked like the same Aaron Rodgers. He has glimpses. He has games, even. But he looks like the same Aaron Rodgers. But he's not. He's not that guy. And you are asking a lot for somebody to continue the trend of, well, look, Drew Brees did it, and Tom Brady did it. Aaron Rodgers is neither one of those players, okay? He's just not. Where does this leave Aaron Rodgers? Now, I just said I think he wants a trade, but Aaron Rodgers is looking at this. Not only did the Packers draft a quarterback in round one, not only did they bring in a new coach that Aaron Rodgers did not get along with, new general manager that they've already had problems with, but they traded up 
can get a quarterback last night. They traded up. They thought their need and the necessity was so large that they needed to trade up to get a quarterback. Guys, Aaron Rodgers, his arrow is pointing down. I know that you have the fantasy community saying, oh, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to be all mad and angry this year. Watch what he does. I think the Lions' defense just got better last night. I think that the Bears' defense, if they stayed healthy, should have been a lot better than they were last year. I think the Vikings' defense still has Zimmer, and they're still good. I think the Packers' schedule brings them to a lot of good defenses. And I think Aaron Rodgers, I know Aaron Rodgers is a year older. Guys, I'm sorry. I think Aaron Rodgers on your big board has got to be knocked down a peg. And where? I don't have him going in the top five quarterbacks. He's closer to 10 than he is to one. You know, I didn't do my full quarterback ranking yet for this year, but I have Aaron Rodgers slated a lot closer to 10 than I do to one. Jackson, Mahomes, and Wilson the first three off the board. Okay? At that number four spot, you could start arguing Aaron Rodgers. I have him closer to 10. So, I look... The quarterbacks, I would take a shot at Burrow as a backup. I would take a shot at Herbert maybe as a as a weak backup or a number three. I would stay very far away from Tua for this year. But if you have a dynasty league, I'm jumping on Tua. And I think Jordan Love has been absolutely erased in the mind of fantasy players because of his landing spot last night. All right, guys, let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, Bet to, the, to future. the future. All right, guys, we're betting to the future, and we are sticking with the Gronk angle and Rob Gronkowski. Most touchdown receptions from Tom Brady. Wes Welker has 34. Julian Edelman, 36. Randy Moss, 39. Rob Gronkowski, 78. Whoa. And that is absolutely huge. Well, let's talk about what might he be in fantasy circles, which, oh, by the way, leads us to some betting circles. FanDuel opened up Rob Gronkowski's over-under receiving yards at 599 and a half. So he's got to get to 600 receiving yards. You're laying about 110, 115 there uh, with Rob Gronkowski. You know, 600 receiving yards doesn't seem like a problem for the best tight end in the history of the game. But reality Reality is a little bit different. I think that they're going to rest him. I think they're going to take his reps and and really save him for the playoffs. I wouldn't be touching this. I think everyone's going to jump on the over. I've already seen this number up over 600 in some spots. I'm just not touching it. I I worry about Gronkowski and how many games he's going to play. DraftKings went out and they set Gronkowski's over-under receiving touchdowns at five. Now, this is something I like. Um... Him and and Tom just have that end zone feel. Rob Gronkowski might have a three-touchdown game. I mean, literally. So I like the over the five, even though I'm worried. And I am concerned about how much playing time Gronkowski's actually going to get, how many games. I think he gets to the five. I don't love it at five and a half to get to the six. I think five is a solid number. I would have loved it at four and a half, but I think five is a solid number. I think at worst, you're getting a push. So there is your bet to the future. All right, let's continue here with the fantasy circles. How about Clyde Edwards-Hellaire? He was plus 400 to be the first 
running back taken off the board. By the way, also blowing up with the last pick in the draft, blowing up all kinds of people's tickets under a half a running back, meaning if one was picked uh, and they went to the last pick in the draft and the Chiefs chose the LSU running back, how do I think he's going to be? I, not much, guys. I'm not drafting him anywhere. You might Look, you draft him as a handcuff, but he's not the starting running back, okay? He's not going to get starting running back carries. He's a guy they like to use out of the backfield, but he's not exclusively a pass catcher out of the backfield. I, I don't love him. I don't. I think that they took him because Andy Reid loves offense. I think they took him because they're not convinced 100% about Damian Williams. LaShawn McCoy, remember, was brought in to lessen the load, and he's going to be gone. I don't like him. I I don't think you're using—well, not even I think. There's no way you're using him as a starter, and I don't even think you could use him as a flex. I don't. I don't believe he's a flex player. So he is a bench guy and a handcuff in fantasy circles. Let's go to some of the wide receivers. Wide receivers were flying off the board. The Las Vegas Raiders selected Henry Ruggs, and I did the old head slap on this one. I didn't understand that he's a small player. Yeah, he's got big play potential, and they talked about his wingspan. Uh, I heard comparisons last night. I think, I believe it was Michael Irvin compared him to Tyreek Hill. Do not, for a second, think you're getting Tyreek Hill production. Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Hill because he had two really good deep threats, and Henry Ruggs might turn into a good deep threat, but not this year, okay? He is the fastest guy. He's got a 4.27 speed. You got to like that, but he is small. He's 5'10, about 185 pounds or so. He's a small guy. I look at um, a lower version of a T.Y. Hilton, big play type of guy, uh, maybe a, a lower version of a Deshaun Jackson. And in fantasy circles, that could drive you insane. He's a guy that can win a week for you. 200 yards, two touchdowns, boom, he caught an 80-yarder. And then the next week, he gets, you know, two receptions for four yards. I mean, this is the kind of guy that will drive you insane. I don't think he's got the offense around him that can stretch the field. I don't think Derek Carr or Mariota is the guy to get him the ball. I didn't like the pick from a Raiders standpoint, and I don't like the pick at all when we're talking about from a fantasy perspective. Can you take Ruggs and put him in as a number three receiver? Sure. You want to roll the dice as a three? I can't argue fully on that. It's not a horrible spot to give him that, but I just don't like it. He reminds me a lot more of John Ross than he will of Tyreek Hill. All right, Jerry Judy to the Denver Broncos. Oh, boy, do I love the Broncos. If you've been paying attention, I've been telling you all offseason, I like the Broncos, I'm betting the Broncos, I'm taking the Broncos. They just got another weapon. And right now, when you have Gordon and Lindsey and you have Fant and Cortland Sutton on one side and now Jerry Judy on the other side. I thought Jerry Judy was clearly the best wide receiver in this draft. He runs the Christmas routes. He's got the best stop and go. He is a really, really proficient route runner and that's what you need. Him and Sutton are going to do a lot. If you have any belief in Drew Locke, by the way, Drew Locke's stock just rode up and I think Drew Locke is a top 15 I do. I think he's got the weapons to do it. But Drew Locke, Jerry Judy, where's Jerry Judy going to go? I don't think he explodes. I don't think he goes crazy because Cortland Sutton's the main guy there. But Sutton will probably be getting double teamed. I'm going to do Jerry Judy uh, right around maybe, you know, 60 receptions, six touchdowns, 700 yards or so, 800 yards maybe. And that's where I think is a good spot for him. He is a very good number three. 
I don't think you could push him to a two. He's a three. Maybe he gets to a two. C.D. Lamb goes to the Dallas Cowboys, and Dallas fans love this pick. I don't necessarily like Lamb. I think Lamb needed to be put in a perfect situation. I don't think that Dallas is a perfect situation. Now, he will get targets, okay, because he's not the guy. He's replacing Randall Cobb, who had a good year in that spot. He'll be the third option, though. Amari Cooper's number one. Michael Gallup's two. You know that Dallas likes to go to their tight end. Plus, Dak runs a little. Plus, Zeke runs a little. I just don't think that there's enough targets to go around. So, I'll give him... A little bit less here. I'll give him about 50 catches, yeah, 45 catches, you know, 500 yards, and three touchdowns. Again, not a starter, not a flex. He's a backup. He's a bench guy. Jalen Rieger to the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles fans did not like this at all, and it was a surprise. I like Rieger. I just didn't think he should go here, but the Eagles needed a wide receiver. And here's a guy that I don't think is anywhere near Lamb or Ruggs, or Judy. I thought he is clearly a second-round player. I didn't like the spot, but the landing spot elevates him a lot. The landing spot because, sure, Carson Wentz has the tight ends, and Carson Wentz likes to throw it to Sanders out of the backfield. But as a wide receiver, Rieger's the guy. He's going to turn into the guy. I think he's got one of the best years here. I got him over 50 receptions. I got him over 600 yards. I got him about four or five touchdowns. And and you could elevate that. It wouldn't shock me if Rieger's sitting there at seven or eight touchdowns, at seven or 800 yards, and at like 70 receptions. It wouldn't shock me. If you're going to roll the dice, he might be the guy. Now, again, I'm not going to like a team that has Jalen Rieger as a starting wide receiver or a flex wide receiver or even a number three. I'm going to love a team that takes him late, puts him on the bench, and hopes for the best. Wide receiver Justin Jefferson goes to Minnesota. Yeah, he's the replacement for Stephon Diggs, but it's not exactly easy to just walk in and replace Diggs. I'm not a big Justin Jefferson fan. Obviously, Thielen is the guy. Here's the problem. Why I don't like Justin Jefferson in this spot. They both play the slot. Thielen and and Jefferson both play the slot. They're going to have to turn Jefferson into a different receiver than what he is. And that's hard to ask a guy for year one. Down the road, Justin Jefferson might pay off. Year one, I'm staying away. Under 40 receptions, under 500 yards, and under five touchdowns, maybe three touchdowns or so. And then uh, the very last guy, Brandon Eichen, over to San Francisco. Eh, it's a good spot. You know, what does San Francisco really need? They needed a receiver. I think this is a reach. I think he was a round two guy. Um, he's not going to get a lot of targets. You got Kittle. You got Debo there. Um Trent Taylor, Kendrick Bourne, he's got to go over Benjamin and Hurd. You know, even if he gets up to the number two spot, they're still a running team. They like to pass it to the tight end. He's another guy I'm staying far away from. I won't even have him on my bench. Uh, you're, you're looking at, you know, 35, 40 catches. You're looking at uh, 400 yards, and you're looking at you know, maybe two, three touchdowns. So overall, first round, running back, yeah, I'm not going near it. Overall, wide receivers, I think there's a lot of guys in bad position. I think Rieger could blow up, but he's going to need a lot of help. Not loving Lamb. Judy in Denver, he's a guy. I just think his talent wins out. Rugs. it's an all-or-nothing proposition. As far as the quarterbacks, Love is off of my board in every format. Tua is a guy I love in Dynasty, but I am running far away from when you're talking about year one next year. Herbert could be a solid backup. I look at him more as a number three in fantasy. 
And Joe Burrow, to me, is a solid backup. You take him between picks 15 and 20, and you're okay on the quarterback. 15 and 20, quarterback coming off the board. I have him closer to 15. If you have him closer to 20, there's not much of an argument, but you can have him as your number two and feel comfortable with it. So that is round one of the NFL Fantasy Draft. But like Fantasy Drafts and anybody that does fantasy out there, as you guys know, as the NFL knows, your league is not won or lost in the first round. Hey, look, you can get a great solid player. Now let's look at the rest of the rounds. Rounds two through seven were very intriguing. Quarterbacks, well, maybe not so much impact players, but we know that they made a lot of news. Eason and especially Hertz made absolute news. The running backs came flying off the board and the running backs for a fantasy community we know those are major our tight ends are any wide receivers going to make a big impact i'm going to welcome on our roto mill fantasy expert chuck t and what our roto mill is look that's that the division of the sports garden network the roto fantasy area and chuck t is the head of that we're going to sit down we're going to talk to chuck and we're going to get his take not only on rounds two through seven not only on the best picks but also overall what did he think about my assessment of round one. So let's get all into that. Chuck, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. Uh, yeah, very interesting draft. I didn't think that there's anybody in this uh, in this draft that I'm going to play in a season-long format. Um, I, I see strong possibilities for week-to-week play, but uh, you know, at, with the exception of maybe playing Burroughs, I don't see anyone that I'm drafting in, let's say, the first 15 rounds of a season-long draft format. Yeah, and that is what I was talking about with round one, right? I mean, there's a lot of, I guess, potential there, but I need to see the potential. Later on in the rounds, though, Chuck, there were some running backs, and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm loving a couple. I have them as solid flex guys, and it wouldn't be shocking if one of the two of these guys could become a running back, too. So let's go into... The later rounds, uh, DeAndre Swift goes to Detroit. I got to tell you, I'm not a big fan here. I, I think it's a good pick from the football side. But from a fantasy perspective, you still have the presence of Kerryon Johnson. And Kerryon Johnson, to me, um, is an effective running back. Do I think DeAndre Swift works in? Sure. And we're in a world where one, two punches, it's all over the place. I'm not drafting DeAndre Swift as a, as a flex position guy. I might toss him on the bench and hope that Kerryon Johnson gets hurt, which he seems he all always does but it's a weak offense to me with a weak offensive line and a split carry situation swift was a good real life pick i don't like the pick in fantasy right i agree with you completely you know the thing that's interesting is detroit has not had a 1000 yard running back since 2013 so there's dysfunction there on that offense in terms of it's been too dependent on the pass It's a Matthew Stafford 50 attempts game that you get when you look at the box score most of the time. And um, he doesn't doesn't excite me that a guy that I could play him depending on the matchup. If I see a weak defense, I can use him on a weekly basis. I'm not going to be expecting this long trend to break just because this was ranked as the top running back in this draft. You want to talk about split carries on a team that likes to pass the ball? How about Jonathan Taylor? I'm a huge Jonathan Taylor fan. Loved him as Wisconsin. Marlon Mack is solid, but he does get hurt a lot. This is good insurance. I see huge upside for Jonathan Taylor. And in a dynasty format, I'm all over him. 
But Phillip Rivers is going to throw the ball more. Indy likes to push the ball down the field. Marlon Mack is still there. Oh, by the way, Hines is still there as well, who's a very effective running back. I don't see a two-headed approach. I see a three-headed approach for this year. Again, I'll take a stab on him. I never want to see Jonathan Taylor in my flex this year or counting on him to be flex. He's a bench guy at best. Bench guy at best, totally. You know, I think that the one player that uh, wasn't a player drafted uh, this past weekend, but was Kyler Murray, was was helped by the, his team's draft more than any other player. You, I can't take a look at another player in this draft. That got, he now has a great number one wide receiver in the DeAndre Hopkins acquisition. He has a nice right tackle that they added. Um, everything on paper, you know, he was sacked 48 times last year, but I got to tell you, it could have been 68 times for how many, how evasive and elusive he is. That guy was running for his life. Of all the players, I think that got helped by the players that were drafted. I have Kyler Murray right at the top of my list. I think his the impact on their draft is going to really help him in year two. Well, let me tell you, my guy, the guy that I think was helped in Murray, sure, absolutely, you're right. Or that Drew Locke. Drew Locke got Melvin Gordon in the offseason. No offense, a year older. I love Sutton. They got Jerry Judy. I, I think he was the best receiver in the draft. All of a sudden, Drew Locke is just surrounded by weapons, and Denver told you flat out, we're going to let this kid be the guy. Now, I can't draft him as a number one quarterback, and I don't even know if I could draft him as a number two. We both said Joe Burrow could be a backup. I'm not sure Drew Locke can be a number two, but man, does he have some ridiculous upside if he can tap into it. Yeah, you know, the, there's a big there's a big uh, weight on his back now because you got to show it because they did everything as an organization to plow the road for his success for him. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, excellent pick after Murray, for sure, most helped by his team's draft. Let's stick with some of these running backs here. I want to get your take on J.K. Dobbins, running back Baltimore. I have never been a fan of Mark Ingram. Okay, I think he's good at what he does, but he's um, uninspiring. Uh, you know, he had a great year last year, but I think Dobbins is clearly the future. You can't take him for this year, right, no, Chuck? Can't do it. Second round pick, 55th player selected overall. I like Dobbins a lot. I like the Ohio State system that he's coming into for the Ravens. I thought the Ravens had an outstanding draft. Got a lot of good defenders. They ranked out as maybe one of the top three drafts. I thought Dobbins was a great pick in the second round. And then my guy that, uh, look, we could talk about uh, the later on guy, Zach Moss, I thought was a decent pick. And uh, I loved A.J. Dillon. I think it's a terrible landing spot for Green Bay. But my guy... Chuck, I am putting him and I'm drafting him in my flex. I think he's in the top 20 running backs. I might put him as my number two overall, and that is Cam Akers. Well, I'm a big Florida State guy, okay? And he was a guy that I tweeted out and I put it out there. I thought he was going to be an absolute steal wherever he landed. Probably you're just going to have to wait his time. He doesn't have to wait his time. Sean McVay offense, you know how running backs do there. He's got a clear path to playing time with no Todd Gurley. Cam Akers, to me, is a running back back that you target. He is the only guy in this draft that I have circled and said, I'm going to land him in drafts this year. I like that pick a lot. I think that's a fantastic opportunity there. Another player in a similar position, I think, for the Las Vegas Raiders, their initial season, Henry Ruggs. If that's not an Al Davis guy, I've not seen one. It, it, talk about top-end speed. I think this is a guy that's going to slot into a fantastic opportunity. He's a borderline guy that I could see maybe being a 25 overall pick at wide receiver. He can crack that that 25 for me. 
Uh, I thought that was a fantastic pick for the Raiders. It was. It felt like Al Davis was pushing the buttons on that. One. You know, it's funny you say that. I do the Las Vegas Raiders radio show, right, uh, in Vegas, and and I was tweeting out before time. I think that it was a bad pick, only because Jerry Judy is a better player, and I think Ceedee Lamb was a better player. But Ruggs is not a bad player. Then what I loved about the Raiders is they said we're going to invest in Ruggs, who is a. I keep hearing people call him a Tyreek Hill kind of guy. I think he's more of a. Deshaun Jackson type, where in a fantasy league, he's going to win you three or four weeks, but he's going to be a no-show in other weeks. But Lynn Bowden, oh, there's another guy, massive speedster, and they got Edwards. So they went three wide receivers. My problem with the Raiders, and guys, don't bash me here, I like Derek Carr, but does Derek Carr have enough to get these speedsters what they need? I'm not sure. I agree with you totally. Um, The the, the interesting thing was when you looked at their draft and you realized that they were headed down this route, you said, okay, they're, they're not picking a quarterback this year, and they're not going to push the issue on Derek Carr to get that long-term replacement. They still don't have it. And so when you look at the totality of their draft, you realize that, yeah, it's going to be Derek Carr. He's not exciting as a QB1. He's barely there as a QB2. So this is what they're going with. It's very, I think, un. John Gruden like he, you know John Gruden knows what he likes and knows what he doesn't like and I didn't think he liked Derek Carr a year ago and now he's saying well I'll make do with it it's very surprising. Uh, is it Carr or is it Mariota? I, I don't think it's either. You know, I look at the Raiders, and, and there are certain teams like this. I look at the Raiders, and I go, all the weapons. you got to love Jacobs. I love the tight end. I love now the three wide receivers that, that have that speed. Get down the field. Use the tight end over the middle. Pound Jacobs. Boom. Everything is working. And you go, they're a quarterback away. Right? You, you say they're a quarterback. And I like Derek Carr, and, and Mariota's fine, but you don't want it fine with all of this. This is this to me, um, for lack of a better you know term, basically, is a guy getting up and getting a fine pinstripe suit and going a beautiful uh, you know a beautiful tie and beautiful haircut and everything, and then wears like a three dollar pair of shoes, right? I mean, <laughs> you go and it's the last piece, but it it makes the outfit. Well, Derek Carr, Mariota, they're fine. Uh, you need more than fine. And I think that that is a reason why none of these Vegas Raiders this year will be on my team. No, I agree with you. You know, the one guy that was drafted he that I like his future is Michael Pittman Jr. with the Indianapolis Colts, taken in the second round, 34th player overall. This guy can be a number one wide receiver. And so... He can crack also maybe that top 25 in the wide receiver position in, in this season, in a season long. But week to week, you've got to watch the matchup that Michael Pittman Jr. has because this is a guy that you can play in weekly formats. He's going to produce. You know, let's, uh, let's talk real fast. Because we start, I mentioned AJ Dillon. Uh, we don't have to talk about him. I don't think he's going to have a lot of fantasy relevance. I, I thought he was a Brandon Jacobs type. He could be the five yard uh, inside uh, grab. Grab you those. Uh, think about like the Marshawn Lynch later on in his career. Blunt later in his career. I thought it, you know you could put him on your bench. You could throw him in a flex position, and he's going to get you five six touchdowns just because he's close. Not on Green Bay, I don't think so. Jordan Love, I just expressed, I have completely and utterly taken him off my board, not only for this year, but for fantasy, years to come, dynasty leagues. He's just undraftable. I think Green Bay had an absolutely miserable draft for a team, but for fantasy purposes, Chuck, it was absolutely a train wreck. Now, I'm reading people going, well, 
oh man, Aaron Rodgers is going to be just fired up. I saw David Bacchieri come out and say, oh, watch, watch the you know fire that it lights under Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be overdrafted because people believe that this is a fire lit under him. He's an older player. I'm sorry, he is. I've been saying it for three years. Coming off of injuries with no weapons anymore, with a disgruntled, you want to talk about putting a fire under him? I think it's going to be a disgruntled Aaron Jones who's been misused his entire career, and now they're going to double on Devontae Adams. I'm sorry, Chuck. Aaron Rodgers is shooting up the draft boards. I'm keeping him where he was, if not dropping him behind him. Yeah, I'm dropping him, too. I, I, You know what, too? This is a very interesting coach quarterback relationship to pay attention to making the pick this year when he was 36 i know a lot was made about this he was drafted at the same time um that that his predecessor was was and traded at up the, for him and, and, and oh. exactly and so when you look at this selection i think this does highlight carryover i, I feel this way that this is matt lafleur still saying to aaron Rodgers. I'm the big hoss in town. We can go over combines and we can go over a whole bunch of things, but the mindset is going to be bad on Aaron Rodgers this year because LaFleur, I think, is making a power play move here. And um, that's not helpful. That chemistry is not good. Well, and let me just explain something to to people out there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers will not be on this team uh, very long. And here's why. You have to claim that fifth-year option after the third year for Jordan Love and to click into that fifth-year option. Aaron Rodgers in 2022 um, will still have another year left on his deal. He's dead cap space. So Aaron Rodgers is going to play this year. We all agree that Jordan Love isn't the guy. I think Aaron Rodgers, just like Tom Brady, finishing his career outside of the jersey that he's wearing. Do you agree? I do agree with that totally. Let's go into the other quarterback controversy that came yeah. from the draft, right? Carson Wentz has looked like the MVP when he's on the field, but he's been injured. Uh, Philadelphia fills up my timeline, obviously, when Atlantic City got sports, um, uh, you know, got sports betting. I became friends with a lot of friends with a lot of people that were in Atlantic City, and there are a lot of Philadelphia fans in Philadelphia as well. And they hated the pick of Jalen Hurts. Now, I'm not hating it as much as I go, look, why are you shocked? Philadelphia constantly wants two quarterbacks. They know. I don't think this puts the pressure on Carson Wentz that it does on Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it was an indictment. I actually don't think Philadelphia would have taken Jalen Hurts, except they go, whoa, this guy's falling here? My problem with the Eagles is this. I still don't see weapons, right? Yeah. I mean, I love Sanders, and you know that Ertz was a little banged up last year. Where are the receivers? You grab one in the first round that, eh, I'm iffy about. I didn't love them coming out. They should have done a Las Vegas Raiders kind of thing, stack three wide receivers, hope one of them pan out, and then you got your guy. Instead, they went out and got Jalen Hurts. I didn't mind the move in a bubble, but overall, I look at their draft and I go, they were terrible as well. I had Hart Carson Wentz high on my list. I had him inside my top 10 quarterbacks. I was high on this guy. I'm knocking him outside the top 10 just because they didn't get him any weapons. Yes, I agree with you totally. And you know, the same modus operandi to take the best player available was done by Dallas as well. Dallas needed to draft defenders for this thing. You know, they were 8-80 eight and a year ago because they didn't make any interceptions on defense. They had seven INTs the entire season. They did not cause turnovers. The thing that Dallas needed to do was boost the defense, but they took the best player available. C.D. Lamb fell to them. So there's three guys that are 
just outside that ideal drafting range in this draft, C.D. Lamb is the third guy. That was a good pick by Dallas. It was a good pick, but the, again, from a fantasy perspective, he's going to be behind Cooper, who was a target monster. Right. He's going to be behind Gallup. And the reality is, this is still a running team. I know Dak had a good year. They're still a run-first team. How many targets can he possibly get? I mean, I, I put out my projections for C.D. Lamb. I had Dallas fans flipping out, and I go, wait a minute. I'm not saying Dallas is going to be bad. Cooper's going to get a lot of ca- a lot of, of uh, receptions. Gallup's going to get a lot of receptions. They love the tight end. Ezekiel Elliott's going to— There's just not enough targets to go around. You know, when I see C.D. Lamb, though, in weekly formats— Coming for $4,000, $4,700, he's an interesting play because, you know, Amari Cooper does disappear a lot. You end up with good numbers with Amari Cooper at the end of the year, but you don't get week-to-week consistency. And so if you, if I'm sitting there with $4,400 left in my weekly lineup for, uh, you know, playing my weekly fantasy football, I might give him some consideration if it's the right defensive matchup he's gonna I think he's gonna be a, a very emergent on that team but you're right about the season-long format that's gonna be hard to see him getting 60 catches even yeah I mean he's a bench guy he's a flyer you take maybe Gallup gets hurt or something but yeah I'm not doing it uh let's go bounce back to the quarterbacks a little bit here um I'm not gonna go into Jacob Eason who I love in Dynasty by the way I think he landed in a great spot you're, you're learning behind Philip Rivers for a year and Frank Reich is on your roster uh and Eason might not start for two years but I like him indoors and indie but let's go to the guys that I spoke about in the first round because I want your take on the four I think we're both in agreement Jordan Love is off the off the chart he's off the map look don't even draft him in fantasy don't talk about him in fantasy um so that leaves the big three all right I heard you allude to Joe Burrow so we'll start there I like him. I got him between 15 and 20. I'm higher on him than most people. I think he can get me some carries with his legs. I like the addition of T. Higgins with Green, with Boyd. I like the idea that they have a pretty good running back that I know you love, Joe Mixon, behind him. Um, I think Burrow is a solid backup with upside. What's your take on Burrow? My take on Burrow is is coming in maybe a little bit under 20. You know, I don't see him cracking 20, but I can take him definitely within there. I'm thinking in a league in which I get to get a dynasty pick for the second I season. want him over Derek Carr. I want him. <laughs> I, I want him for sure in a dynasty consideration where I can control him for his second year in the NFL. I think that's going to be fantastic. He's one of the players that's blessed with a playing time slot for himself. This is a guy who should play 16 games. He should get... Um, something on the order of 4,000 passing yards if it if it all works out. That can certainly, and that fills in a number two quarterback in season-long format. So I like him. And Cincinnati is a bad team still. They're going to be playing from behind. They're going to let Burrow throw it, right? Exactly. I mean, they're going to air it out. It's going to be a lot of 40 attempt games that you're going to see from him. You're going to see him go 25 for 40. A lot of his box scores this year I, I see looking like that. And I see him having a consistent 300-plus yard days because they will be playing behind in the second half and then easier yardage comes in those situations as we know all right well let's go into a little bit of betting huh let's talk some betting i will i have the odds in front of me okay joe burrow total passing yards over under 3800 I like it right on the dime. I think I think the lines makers did a great job here. They did. They it's a tough it's a it's a tough bet. What are you getting? What, I mean, what are you getting on the on the on the bet? What? Yeah, it's it's minus one twenty either way. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's they nailed that. They nailed that. I have him maybe 
passing the 4,000 threshold, and I'm not going to be surprised if it comes right in at 30. You're not betting that one. I'm I'm staying away, too. Here's what I I am betting, and I already did. Over under 22 passing touchdowns. I think he goes over. I I, I think he goes over. I I think you're going to get some of those garbage touchdowns late in the year, late in the game, throw it, you know, and I don't think he's going to fly over this. 24-25 sounds about right to me. You know, it it could be a 24-25, 18 interception season. What do you got on the interception? 20 and a half is the over-under. Yeah, I see. That's a, they really pegged that. Uh, Yeah, a 25-20 split. I could see that. Those are good, those are really good bets, but... Not, not, not. Maybe I take the touchdown one over the interception one. That's the one I'm doing. I'm not touching the yards. I'm not touching the t the interceptions. I like the touchdowns. I, I sprinkled a little bit there. Yeah. Let's go to the next quarterback, Justin Herbert. Uh, he's got a starting position. Yes. Right. So people are going to draft him because he's got a starting position. He's got all sorts of weapons. That's all we hear. Weapons, 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 right? Uh, Austin Eckler is even a weapon out of the backfield, and those are those safe passes. By the way, Hunter Henry, safe passes. Justin Herbert's going to get a lot of safe passes. I like Justin Herbert long-term, but I think that he's a guy that has, I want to say, limited upside. He's in a great position to walk into this Charger team. My problem with Justin Herbert here is that we have to still remember he's a rookie. I mean, if you told me I get a guy in a division where you're going to be chasing the Raiders who score, the Chiefs who score, throwing it all day, you have safety valves, I I should be drooling. I have him where you have Burrow just outside the top 20. I got him maybe 21, 22. What's your take on Herbert? Um, uh, Similar, but I I would be hesitant to even take a look at a bet on 3,000 yards for him. Well, I, I got the odds, funny you should say, so let's talk about it, Chuck. Okay. Ready? Yeah. 3,400 yards over under. Oh, I go under. I think Ooh, that, I okay. might take some action on that. That you know, What am I getting? It's minus 120 all the way across. Okay, so, um, yeah, I yeah, th- this guy I could see a, a strong possibility he's going to finish with 2,800 passing yards to 3,000 passing yards. That's, that's, that would intrigue me. I might play some. 21 like touchdowns. No way. I no, I'm not touching that. that. Not yeah, touching I, it. I don't love the under because I can see him getting those little dink dunks. Yeah. I, I don't love it, but yeah, 21 and a half interceptions. Mm, I think he's raw enough that that might intrigue me to go over on that. But again, that's tough for me to take that action because he's got the safety valves. Yes. Yes, that's a problem. You know, yeah, I, that that this is great setting that, that they're that they're placing on these bets. These are these are challenging. I agree with the premise behind the lines they're sending. Yeah. So, what about a dynasty format? Because I know you love your dynasty formats. Obviously, we all love Burrow. We all want Burrow. We want to control him for his career. You know, that that's great. Where's Justin Herbert in your dynasty format? How high do you grab him? How high should you be on him? Um, my feeling on Herbert is this. I think he's a guy that could step in right away. He can be effective. I've likened his career. And I said, you know, he's a guy that uh, will always be a a solid quarterback, too. Right? He's a guy that you go, he's my quarterback, too. It's perfectly fine. I never see him being a quarterback one in this league. And I I think he has a lot of uh, what Marcus Mariota almost had as far as fantasy upside, where you go, there are weeks here and there that he might do it for you. But you never want to count on Herbert to be a starter long term. I agree. I like the the uh, six-foot, six-inch size. I do like his ability to, um, I think, um, see the field and have... the smarts are lacking, though, in what I see from him. And that is that presence that makes him becoming a number one difficult, too. I, I, 
I can always draft him as a number two after this season. But uh, becoming a number one, I think he's a long shot. And now my guy, Tua T. You want to call him Tua T? You want to want, want me to, to to butcher it? I haven't been butchering it actually. I've been saying it for like two years. I know. Say it. <laughs> Tagio Viola. Yeah, you know right. it's Tua Tag. I was yeah, saying that yeah. with my kids during the draft when we watched it all together, and I was saying Tua Tag. Um, but but yeah, uh, yeah, you know uh, let me let me just give you the rundown here. Okay, no. here's why I love Tua because I got to state my case. And here's why, Chuck. Here's why I had to just take my take my case. I live with a Miami Dolphins fan. My wife is a huge football fan, okay? She's a huge fantasy fan. She is uh, not happy with Tua. And she hasn't been for months. And I've been selling Tua for months to her. And my argument was this. If you're the Miami Dolphins and you've sucked for so long, okay? If you, get, you think, well, he's going to get hurt. He's on a five-year contract. He gets hurt two of the years. He makes the playoff two of the years. This is a win pick. And that's how I sold it to her. The man's upside is absolutely off the charts. Now, (laughs) I'm not touching him in fantasy this year, but I love him in dynasty leagues because you roll the dice with him. You take the shot. If he becomes what he can become, he's a top five quarterback. He may never get there. Chances are he probably won't get there. But, man, I don't mind rolling the dice. But he gets the playing time this first season, and that's what does it for me from a dynasty perspective. I I think Herbert and I think, uh, obviously, Burroughs, they're in positions where they're going to be counted on to be the starter every week, and so the playing time is there. Now, you got to look at the Dolphins' draft. They took their next offensive player, though, was not until round seven when they took Malcolm Perry. Malcolm Perry is 5'9". He's 186 pounds. He had really good numbers, but the Navy schedule, you realize that they didn't really face great defenses. Um, And so he's got no help now in this first season. Yeah, but he's got... He's got good reason. Look, Devontae Parker yes. stepped up once he got yes, away from Adam did. Gase. Yes. Right? That kid, William, Preston Williams was having a good year before right. he but went you, down. But what I'm saying is, is that that Miami draft was focused on, you know, one thing Protecting we can't, him, right? One thing, I mean, offensive one thing, line. Exactly. And one thing we can't do this year, we can't make that presumption that the Miami defense is a soft defense anymore. They actually firmed up that secondary with very good players. Be- best cornerbacks in the league. Yeah. And so that, that you know, the one thing we will take away doesn't always factor in our mind on season long as much as it does weekly that defensive matchup is not a, is not a pushover anymore with with Miami very good draft I mean uh, solid on I have both Miami lines. I already took him on the over Chuck I yeah. like him over for wins I have Miami at eight and eight Want to fall off your chair? What, well, we had, didn't we have Miami at 8-8 eight and eight a year ago and it turned into such a debacle? <laughs> so um, it would be great to see them at 8-8, eight and eight, but you can't, you cannot say that this is an easy team to score on, that this is an easy team to get uh, passing yards against. It's not a good QB matchup for any quarterback that faces them on any week of the season. So, so you're not taking Stidham against the Dolphins? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that really is what I take away. But yeah, Tua... Yes, there is some decent players here. You love that he's going to get the playing time. Is he going to have a running game? And Jordan to, Howard's not yeah, bad. He's not, not good. No, right, I, right. And I like the tight end. I thought Gazeki looked good at the yes. end of the year. Let me give you the numbers then because I will tell everybody out there. Everybody, listen. Here's a free play from Tom Barton. This, I already made a bet on this. This is one of the strongest plays that I've had in a year. This is one of the strongest plays in the 10-plus year history of me giving out plays on the air that I will give you. 
So let's talk, okay? Over under total passing yards to a 3,200. Because they're not going to be behind by big scores that I see, I kind of like the under on that. Total passing touchdowns, 19. That, to me, is a strong consideration to play the over. Total interceptions, 20. I would say that that's too tight to touch. I wouldn't play the over-under on that one. I would walk away from that bet. All right, Chuck. Now let me tell you what I did. 3,200 yards, I don't love it. I do think Fitzpatrick probably starts the season. I, I don't know if he gets a full allotment of the starts. I'm not sure. I still worry about the injuries a little bit, so I can't take that. Same thing with, with the touchdowns. I'm a little you have concerned. have over-under on the games played? I, I don't have I would see him for 13. In, yeah, in, which in which I, I think I, yeah, I yeah. think twelve thirteen. So that brings me to my biggest bet. I'm reading it from what I wrote to my clients. This is my biggest bet in a while. I don't think he starts sixteen games. He never turns the ball over anyway. If he starts to turn the ball over, they might go to Fitzpatrick. Under 20 interceptions. The guy never throws interceptions anyway. And if he only starts 12 games, Chuck, I'm, a, I'm golden. If, God forbid, he gets hurt, because I'm not looking about injury about anybody, he starts two games, gets injured, I'm golden. I love the under the interceptions because of the angle there, Chuck. That's, even though I'm ignoring his collegiate background in taking that bet, I would I would take the over. I think he's gonna I think he could get pressured into some interceptions of, of note and height. Yeah. That's my concern. All right. Well listen, this is why we do the show. It's pretty interesting. Tua will not be on Chuck's dynasty boards. He is certainly <laughs> on on my dynasty board. So last uh we got a couple last things. I, I think we could all agree that tight ends, year one, never draft them. Right? I, I mean, you I just don't them. draft Even them. Even though there's some interesting candidates. Yeah, this year, I like the know? Bears guy, but the he's Bear, he's I he's the like tenth tight end. He's the 10th tight end on yeah. their roster. Yeah, what the but, hell are they doing? But they only had 416 receiving yards out of their tight ends a year ago. So why there's even nine guys there to start with? When They want to play 11-on-11 yeah. 11 with 11 tight ends. And that, that's, that's it. <laughs> why, why let Mitch Trubinski throw the ball nah, when a, we could just have 11 tight ends? It's a Bugs Bunny lineup, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> yeah, A lot of these guys are interesting. The Patriots picked some interesting guys, but the reason why the Patriots were so high on the UCLA kid, by the way, I'm going to see him draft in all drafts and people are overdraft. He's a tremendous blocker. Yes. And people don't realize that, oh, he's with Bill and he's going to catch the ball. Go ahead. You take him in your last round. I'm staying way away from all tight ends, by You're the way. You're talking about York. Dalton Keene there. The, no, no. Uh, Asiati. Oh, really? You know, again, falling into a nice spot. You know, his, the, the scouting reports on him is he's pretty balanced, a decent blocker, considering that he could be an offensive he's a, Yeah, he's, a, he's yeah. a blocker. You know what he is, though? He's a project. And Bill said so much. You know, right. he said he's a project. Right. You see, tight ends never succeed in year one. No, I, I, and he's a project. And he's with Bill, who knows he's a project. And he, Laurie, said he likes him as a blocker. I'm still I, feeling. I'm away. still feeling the pain from franchising uh, Jeremy Shockey with the Giants all those years ago. You know that was looking like a thousand yard tight end was a lock type of thing. The the press was so great, but it wasn't there. It really never developed the the the, the season long numbers for him. Um, and. That was my first lesson on tight ends, I would say, was going all the way back to Shockey on how they just underwhelm as rookies. And I, I, I saw some decent players taken here, but I'm not, I'm not touching any of them. 
And let's, let me explain to the listeners why tight ends struggle in year one. When a tight end comes in, it's much like a catcher in baseball. When a tight end comes in in year one, they tell the tight end, we don't care about you catching the ball. We want you to know your blocking schemes. And if you don't learn the blocking schemes, then you're not going to get on the field. And that is what happens. So they spend all of year one, when they're in practice, they're with the offensive linemen. They're not with the receivers and the tight and, and the quarterback. So they don't even know those packages, which is why year one, you never never draft a tight end, which is also why uh, going to fantasy baseball, you don't look at a catcher in single A, you look at a catcher down the road. All right, Chuck, it has been awesome. Round one it was uh, very intriguing, but I don't think we really got any superstars out of it. Round two, you could find a couple of guys. Cam Akers is going to be on my team. Other than that, nobody you really target. It was fun. It was excellent. I love to have it from a fantasy perspective. I don't think there's a lot of impact, though. All right, guys, remember, when you're home bored, it's never too early to start mock drafts. Never too early. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be a part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARDEN. That's 1-855-442-7836. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.